anyway, thank you guys. Uh, I was going to announce uh, my brother Rob. He he got a job. I think maybe our life issues group or or even our class here uh, prayed for my brother, my younger brother. I've talked to him. He's got a a good job, and so we're thankful for that. He can provide for his family, and so uh, anyway, seemed like you were praying about something else there, baby think of something uh, Brother Betson we're, <clears throat> I know Randy is hoping to take a mission trip to Zambia Africa this next year and uh, but where Betson at is several hours from Dan Jalowick so uh, we're just not sure if we can so anyway I'm hoping to go on that trip Lord willing we'll, we'll see if it kind of depends on Randy's health and so the details are not locked in but Anyway, there is a mission trip planned for Zambia to Dan Jalowick. And um, I think we made some Bibles for him. But anyway, we are going to be in Jeremiah 35. And this is one of the shortest chapters in Jeremiah. It's only got 19 verses. And I'm going to read 11 of those verses to start off this morning. So be turning to Jeremiah 35. And we are kind of down in numbered but I think people maybe even travel this time of year or, but uh, anyway winter's here isn't it it's getting cold out and but it's supposed to warm up even again this uh, next week but you guys that know Don Van they, they got they made it down to Texas oh, okay and they stay down there over the winter time? Over the, till March. Oh, really? Well, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, so we're going to miss them. But uh, he said they got down there and it's 97 degrees where they're at. Oh, God. It's almost 100. Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, well, man, that's... A little too hot. <laughs> it's not even comfortable. Oh. So anyway, they made it down there this week. <clears throat> and so uh, our thoughts are with them. Anyway, well, thank you for joining us online. If you want to turn at home in your Bible to Jeremiah 35, I'm going to read these first 11 verses, and we're going to talk about them. So Jeremiah 35 says, first 11 verses, The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them and bring them into the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, and this is a different Jeremiah, the son of Habazinah, and his brethren, and all of his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalem, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. Uh, I think I'll stop right there just for a minute. I want to uh, give just a little bit of a backstory. So we see this name in verse 1. Jehoiakim and I think I've told you before that there are kind of some flashbacks or maybe the the book of Jeremiah is not written uh, chronologically and so Jehoiakim lived and reigned between 10 and 20 years before Zedekiah. So last week, last chapter, we were talking about Zedekiah. So this is about 20 years before, but uh, God is bringing up this thing about these Rechabites. And I, I thought I would see if I can help illustrate the story a little bit. So there was Evidently, someone named uh, Rechab, 
and he had a son, I believe it's Jonathan. T H A N. Uh, just a second here. So this uh, Jazaniah is kind of down lower. So he's he's the guy that they took. And his dad, so in verse 3, then I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, and he was the son of H-A-B-A-Z. I think I got this right. And his brethren, and the whole house of the the Rechabites, <clears throat> and they took him into the house of the Lord. So that's the temple, and the temple had some chambers, and evidently they had kind of named some of these chambers after people. There's a chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of, and I wanted just to get this because the Bible calls him a man of God. This uh, in verse. Four DA. So he he's a man of God. Oh wow, that That's a guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a few people named in the Bible that are called a, a man of God, and uh, if, if as I work with people, I I tell men that you know God wants you to become a man of God and I talked to ladies I wrote a lady a letter this week in jail and you know just hoping she can uh, become a virtuous woman so th- those are bible terms that, that that I try to use when working with people <clears throat> and so <clears throat> these recobites uh, we're going to learn uh, there's a, and and I think it says uh, this Jazaniah's children so there's about six or seven generations, at least at least six generations, kind of spoken of here, of this family, and it's during the reign of Jehoiakim, and so now, so they bring him into the house of the Lord. We don't know really how many of them there were. They're uh, a little bit of. Uh, have you ever heard of the term Bedouin? Mm-hmm. Like nomadic. Yeah, so these are kind of nomadic people. And uh, they were living in Jerusalem at this time because they were kind of afraid of Nebuchadnezzar and the, the army, so they were kind of seeking shelter in Jerusalem. And they bring him into the house of the Lord, and they're told to offer them wine. And, and I want us to see what happens here in verse 6. And I'll read 6 through 11 now. Uh, but they said, so th- this is this guy, Jazaniah. This is him speaking for his family. But they said, we will drink no wine for Jonadab. I, I said Jonathan, it's Jonadab. This uh, so he he this uh, Jazaniah he was instructed by one of his forefathers Jonadab. This he was the son of Rechab. Our father commanded us, saying, "Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever." Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. 
Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed. That, that's a key word there, they obeyed. That's kind of the point of the whole story right there and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us but it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up into the land that we said come and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians so we dwell in Jerusalem and so that's uh, kind of the main story of today's teaching and um, and I, and I wonder kind of you know the devil he knows how to tempt all of us doesn't he uh, you know Emmett the devil knows your weakness and Pam and Jim and Steve and Angie uh, and so often he dangles that carrot in front of us to see if we're going to pursue these uh, temptations or if we're going to so I I feel like that is kind of what's going on here and so uh, God is telling Jeremiah go ahead and place this temptation this family has been commanded not to drink wine and I want you to offer them wine and I want you to document their response to this temptation and uh, so I I want to talk more about this uh, topic of wine and alcoholic beverages in today's uh, study but first I wanted us to talk about this this man of God because uh, that phrase is in our Bible nearly 75 times I think the exact phrase was 73 times and it's a term for God's spokesman if you have a handout just uh, typically a man of God is, is is someone who speaks on behalf of the Lord he's God's spokesman <clears throat> and several are so there's there's a dozen times there's a dozen different men mentioned in the Bible and four times they're an unknown prophet so sometimes they're not mentioned by name but we do have Moses <clears throat> and uh, even in the time of uh, Samson's parents, uh, the the pre-incarnate Christ, this angel came down in in the fire with uh, with uh, Samson. I mean, Samson's parents, uh, Manoah and his wife, and uh, so there's a re- there's a reference to that being a man of God that came in the fire. We believe it to be the incar- the pre-incarnate Christ. And so there's uh, Shemaniah, there's some unknown prophets, Elijah was called a man of God, and Elisha was in there. And then I left you another blank, Uh, King David was called a man of God. So David is what goes in your second blank there. David was called a man of God. And so this is not uh, surprising really any of these names. But my teaching point here is uh, there are still some men uh, and women of God today. And so I thought we would kind of look at 2 Timothy because this is in our churches. This is in our churches. Uh, what do you call it? Not motto or mission statement. Uh, our church's mission statement is to uh, <coughs> equip the man of God and the word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God to the glory of God. So, this, and this verse is where we get a Second Timothy, chapter three, sixteen and seventeen. Uh, Emma, would you mind reading that if you get there? Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished unto all good works. Amen. So verse 17 talks about the man of God. So if we are going to be men and women of God, it's going to be connected with Scripture. We're going to learn doctrine from it. We're going to accept correction and instruction and reproof so that we can be thoroughly or thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I always like to point out that that word furnish is like furniture. And so it's, uh, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, so our body needs furnishings. We need to be furnished with, you know, just like there was the table of showbread and the golden candlestick and uh, the menorah and uh, all these things in the tabernacle and the temple. Our body needs to be furnished with those things as well. So anyway, I, I just wanted to highlight that. Because in our text today in Jeremiah, it talks about this guy being a man of God. And I don't really know anything else about him other than the Bible says that about him. But uh, any any other thoughts, comments as we go through here? Alright. Well, let's go back to Jeremiah 35. That was these first 11 verses. And so now God is going to use this illustration of these Rechabites to say to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Judea, hey, these Rechabites, they were obedient for their father's commandments. So that he's kind of keying on uh, uh, Rechab is the, the father of the Rechabites. And so, uh, God the Father. He uh, he he wants his children to obey as well, and so that is the comments here. Uh, Jim, would you read verse twelve and thirteen for us? Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, who do not receive instruction to hearken to my words, saith the Lord. Amen. And so he, he's saying, men and women of Jerusalem, of Judah, this father Rechab, uh, Rechab, he commanded his children, I don't want you to drink any wine and and we 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 actually offered his descendants this temptation and they wouldn't do it and so he's saying that's what I want from my people is for them to be obedient at the time of temptation and uh, Pam can you read verse 14 and 15 for us the words of John and Dad, the son of Rechab that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed for unto, unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment, notwithstanding I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them, and ye shall all... And you shall all dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers, but you have not given your ear nor hearkened unto me. And several times in the Proverbs, it'll it'll say, "Incline your ear unto me." And when you when you see that word "incline," it's like you you know God is in heaven above, so we want to incline, we want to hear Him down here, and incline our heart to Him. And, and obey, and so uh, that next blank there's I put the word temptation. The the Rechabites they obeyed their father's commandments strictly, even at the point of temptation, and so uh, the Lord is giving uh, Judah another chance here. And he he said in there that that Pam read that. Uh, if they will turn from their evil way, if they'll amend their doings, 
I put God not after other gods. I, I think I meant to say go not after other gods to serve them. Uh, uh, then he would uh, let them dwell in the land. Just like these uh, descendants of Rechab, they were, they were dwelling and because of their obedience to their father. But because they would not obey... Uh, verses 16 and 17, Angie, if, would you read those? Because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, uh, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people have not hearkened unto me. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard, and I have called unto them, but they have not answered. Yep. So, so this uh, this family was just an object lesson, but because uh, so we're going to see that they're going to get a blessing because they obeyed their father, but uh, because Judah would not hearken to the Lord, there's evil coming upon them, and uh, they'll be they'll be judged for it, <clears throat> and. and Let's see. Let me. Uh, my teaching point here, and let's all turn to the First Corinthians ten thirteen. This is the verse that it reminds me of. I know I've quoted this in here before. It's a memory verse. It's. Uh, let's see if I can quote it here. Yeah, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not uh, suffer. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's pretty close. And uh, so I put the word escape on your on your hand out there. You know how many times has evil come upon us because we wouldn't hearken to God in time of temptation and take the way of escape. So the way of escape at the bottom of your hand out there. And uh, I talked to two different people this week. And so th- this topic of this topic of alcohol or drinking wine. I mean, I do think there's a significant doctrinal thing here. Uh, some of you have heard of the vow of the Nazarite. I think I think of that when I read this. The, the Nazarite, uh, Samson was really maybe the best example in the Bible who was not to touch or eat any form of grape his whole life and to let his hair grow long. And uh, some people think John the Baptist was had taken maybe a Nazarite vow, and and uh, some some say even Jesus. So, yeah, so uh, the and I, I'm trying to think of Rechab or this Jonadab, and uh, I, I don't know if. I bet alcohol has probably affected all of us in some way negatively um, I, I have I talked to two people this week that have relapsed into drugs and both of them told me because I'm always curious so how did this happen how, what took place at the time that caused this and both of them said well I started out drinking alcohol and and then I when I when I'm drunken I, I I make bad decisions and then they call their buddy and they get they get some meth or so it's almost like that's a gateway because alcohol is so accessible and legal it but it leads to other things and, and I want to talk about uh, alcohol more but uh, anyway I would just. You know, thinking how to help my friends, my two friends that I've talked to this week, that got alcohol, thinking no big deal, and you know it led them to relapse. And then there's 
the shame and uh, one it led to incarceration and uh, you know some pretty serious difficulties so I, I wonder like if this Jonadab maybe had a friend that got drunk and died or you know got hit <laughs> you know we talk about uh you know how drunk driving killed, and and probably none of you may know this, but Angie was actually nine months pregnant with our son Luke, or eight months, and we were on the way. It was a rainy night. We were going to Lamaze classes, and uh, we got hit by a drunk driver, and it was almost a head-on. And we we took the ditch, and he took the other ditch, and you know I run down to see if he's okay, and. You know, looking back, he he was kind of wobbly and drunken, and you know, I don't think he ever got in trouble for it. But you know, it, it could have killed our child. You know, it could have killed us. So it uh, kind of scary to think about. And so, anyway, um, well, let, let's talk about these last two verses, and then I, I do want to spend the rest of our time just talking about alcohol but uh, somebody read 18 and 19 I think we've all read but Emmett we're back to you I guess 18 and 19 and Jeremiah said unto the house of the recognized thus saith the Lord of hosts the God of Israel because ye have obeyed the commandment of Joanna your father and kept all his precepts and got a claim on all that he might command. Ye, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, God of Israel. John the Bethdab, the son of Bethdab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. So, so what I had there on the on your back page of your hand, I just God rewards obedience, just the word obedience, and that that verse in Samuel is one that's maybe famous to all of it. It's it says, "To obey is better than sacrifice," and sometimes we we think it's easier maybe to you know give money to the Lord or but really what he wants is for us to obey and really that's what we want for our children isn't it we we want our children to obey us and the Lord wants that for his children and I thought it was interesting that he said because Jonadab the son of Rechab shall uh, they obey they shall never want a man to stand me before me forever so somewhere there's still a Rechabite still standing today uh, following the Lord and I don't know if you ever thought about this you know there was a woman that anointed the Lord with the alabaster box and it said something like where this gospel is preached her name will always be well spoken of or something so God really honors those things and I think that was just kind of my admonition for anyone listening to me now is you know what type of stand are you taking what what type of thing for the Lord I mean these guys went down in history as uh, not and I don't know if you ever thought about this but do you know the only forbidden fruit in the Bible is grapes? And that, that was in the number six with, with the, the Nazarite vow. It was commanded, uh, it was forbidden that they take of that. And so many, many people, myself included, think that that was really what Adam and Eve were tempted with. They, uh, because uh, the grape vine, we don't think of the vine being a tree but uh, Judges 9 I believe it is calls it the vine tree and so uh, a grape vine can be considered a tree it's 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 woody in nature and uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 32 that talks about the pure blood of the grapes so grapes is often connected with with uh, blood and uh, so that that's why we take the Lord's supper with uh, grape juice it represents his spilled blood for us and so I think this Jonadab and these Rechabites were on to that 
and thinking, you know, we're just going to r- rather something bad happen to a friend of John Adabs or Rechabs that was maybe drunken. We don't know what prompted them to command his descendants not to drink it, but that that's a pretty good uh, family tradition to have, isn't it? Did you say they can't even eat grapes? Right. Yeah. So not even, not even uh, dried raisins or they not even touch it. Kind of went over this, Steve. They uh, were commanded not to dwell in cities. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that was kind of the second part of it is to dwell in tents. Don't even. And I, I think some of that is you know we're called strangers and pilgrims. We're, we're we're just kind of passing through. Our citizenship is really in heaven. So that that's the other example, Pam. Thank you for pointing that out. They were they were only to dwell in tents. And uh, I think that was maybe even given to Abraham as well. Just he was a twi- tent dweller, and so anyway, uh, good good point. Well, they did go up to Jerusalem. So. Right. They they ended up dwelling there during that the siege of Nebuchadnezzar. They were afraid for their lives out in the field in the tents. So they they did want to live in the fortify. They probably didn't have a house there. They were. Probably living in the, the stable where Jesus was born, or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they may, they yeah, they may pitch a tent inside the walls. But anyway, just a lot to think about there. I, my teaching point here is: if we stand for the Lord, He will stand with us. And that that is Second Timothy. I, I really like this. In let's, let's let's all go there to Second Timothy in our New Testament. We were just there, but. Go to Second Timothy, chapter four. This is some of Paul's last words, and I'll read that when I get there. First Thessalonians, First Timothy, Second Timothy four, and verse seventeen here says, "Notwithstanding, well, let me look at verse sixteen first. He said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So that's pretty cool that... No man stood with him, but the Lord did and delivered him out of the mouth of the lion. And so that he escaped death there from from somebody considered like a lion. But anyway, I gave you some other places there where people stood with the Lord and were blessed for it. Um, so I thought I'd just do a little... Uh, study with you about alcohol here so this is a article from london england uh, cnn had this this is a uh, probably six months or a year ago i, I read this and uh, your first your first blank there just the word alcohol ranks the most harmful out of a list of 20 drugs uh, beating out uh, crack and heroin according to the study results released by a British medical journal. It says that a panel of experts weighed the physical, psychological, and social problems caused by the drugs and determined that alcohol was the most harmful overall, according to an article on the study released by the Lancet Sunday. That makes it almost three times as harmful as cocaine or tobacco, according to the article. It says that heroin, crack cocaine, and methamphetamine were the most harmful drugs to an individual to individuals, the study says, while alcohol, heroin, and crack cocaine were the most harmful to others. So it's kind of overall the alcohol was the worst. Um, and and I've I read a couple things that uh, I think I saw at two different places that on average uh, one out of every ten people that try alcohol become addicted, and and that's fairly large number really. 
if you think everybody's tried it. If you think a thousand people have drunk it, a hundred of them will become addicted to it. That's about a tenth. And I've I've heard with meth, it's like four out of ten. So it meth is more addictive. Uh, four out of ten become addicted to try methamphetamine. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna say something else. No, it just it is hard, you know. Like I used to drink. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcy just commented, Marcy Lewis, that it's everywhere. It's hard to not drink. It, uh-huh. You know, you go to Quick Trip, you go anywhere, and it's just in your face all the time. Yeah. And it just takes a lot of strength to, to resist. To not, and yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's legal. It's yeah, yeah. Well, pornography is kind of the same way. It's 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 everywhere. And it's offered yeah. so openly. And um, I thought I'd give you a, a few statistics. And this is something that Jim put together for me, probably about a year ago. And uh, it says in 2017. 531 people in Cass County were admitted to treatment for substance abuse. So, I mean, that doesn't count those that probably go on their own. It's probably they get caught for something and get sent to treatment as part of their probation or something like that. And it says of those 531, uh, 199, so almost 200, so almost half of the people in Cass County were treated for alcohol as a primary addiction. So those are some Cass County statistics from 2017. And then here's some for Missouri. And one of these is kind of surprises me. Uh, it's the last one. But Missouri had 254 alcohol-impaired driving deaths in 2017. And 30 of those involved underage drinking. So th- this is for the state. And 8, 8% of all Missouri traffic fatalities involve substance-impaired driving. So that's maybe not as many percentage as we would think, maybe. And then the last one is 55,628 Missouri jobs rely on the American beer industry. So that that's a lot. Is it 55,000 people in Missouri are employed or they they rely on the sale of alcohol. It seems like a lot to me. I wonder if they're talking I, about like I don't, Yeah, I don't know if we're thinking about, you know, people where they Applebee's or any of those Cuz those people especially like a bartender, they do rely on that. As so people that might lose their job if there was no alcohol, like yeah, yeah, maybe delivery driver. I don't know. Yeah. Did you ever watch that sitcom Laverne and Shirley? Uh huh. And oh, yeah. they work for the big company. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Brewery. Yep. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. You're gonna get me singing the song. <laughs> Laverne and Shirley. I love that. Show. Yeah, that was a good. One. It was a funny one. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. And then. Uh, Nationwide, uh, this says. So this is the reason I uh, I I follow a, a preacher on Twitter, that, and this week he said that ninety five thousand deaths per year in America for alcohol related issues, and this stat that Jim is pretty close. It says eighty eight thousand people die from alcohol-related causes each year. And, and the tweet I said was 95,000. So either it's gone up from you know a year or two ago when you did this. Yeah, um, yeah it wrecks your body. And then in 2014, alcohol-impaired driving fatalities accounted for almost 10,000 deaths, which was 31% of all driving fatalities. So about a third of all driving fatalities are alcohol related. Okay. Yeah. So that's that makes sense. That sounds about right, doesn't it? 
And then it says more than 10% of all of U.S. children live with a parent with alcohol problems, according to a 2012 study. So about 10% of our kids are growing up in homes where their parents have alcohol issues. Yeah. One out of ten kids. Yeah, one out of ten kids. So. Well, that doesn't even count the ones that grow up in homes where alcohol is socially acceptable. Uh huh. There's yeah. no problems. Yeah, they're still functioning. Yeah. Yeah. Because my parents drank huh. when they had friends over and stuff. Huh. And um, smoked. Yeah. And I don't know if they did anything else. And, you know, never had car accidents. Okay. Had any problems. So they were sociably responsible or... I've got a friend I work with, and uh, he he really did nearly die, but he's got a a plate in his leg, and and he he walks normal, but uh, he always favors that leg and protects it, and... uh, but he nearly died of a drunk but 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 yet he drinks pretty regularly he, he's got a whole bar in his basement i'm like i'm like jeff you know you nearly died but because he, of somebody else's drinking yeah but he's hardcore that he don't let anybody uh drive drunk i mean he has some strict rules around it but he he does drink himself but um well, most all of those people that drink and drive think they're okay. Yeah, but I mean, he, he makes people stay all night there. I mean, he won't, he'll take their keys away from them if they drink at his house, mm-hmm. things like that, so. Responsible drinker. Yeah, yeah. It, it always kind of, it seems hypocritical to me because you see beer commercials, you know, tell people to drink responsibly, but, and, and I see gambling establishments say that, you know, yeah. You know, make sure you call bets off if you can't afford. But the the alcohol, they still want you to drink, and the people still want you to bet, but just do it responsibly so you can come back another day and drink and bet. It's, yeah. it's kind of the message I get from that. Mm, that uh, what Pharaoh, Pharaoh told Moses is you can go out and serve the Lord, but don't go crazy. Uh-huh. Don't get too... So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Drink, gamble, just don't go crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, drinking alcohol increases the risk of cancers of the mouth esophagus pharynx pharynx, larynx liver and breast and so there's some things connected with uh, alcohol Uh high blood pressure dries out your Hmm. okay We've got somebody in life issues that used to drink. Hmm. That has thirteen things wrong. Uh, really? Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's and they bad. figure that was related to the fact that they drank. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's that's a lot. Uh, this says alcohol kills more teenagers than all other drugs combined. Hmm. That was interesting. Yes. It is a factor in the. Th- three leading causes of death among 15 to 24 year olds accidents homicides and suicides youth who drink are seven and a half times more likely to use other illegal drugs and 50 times more likely to use cocaine than young people who never drink so again it's kind of that gateway thing One survey found that 32% of heavy drinkers over 12 were also illegal drug users. Uh, 40% of violent crimes occur under the influence of alcohol. And then it says 10% of people who try alcohol become addicted to it. So those were some statistics. Um... You know, it's funny how people overlook things, too, because when I was in high school, the foreign exchange student was from Germany, and um, he had a bottle of cough medicine in his locker, 
and everybody knew he drank, you know. Yeah. And nobody would do anything about it, even though it was on school property. Huh. Of course, everybody had a gun in their pickup to anything about that. Yeah. But anyway, this, this huh. guy, he, he drank during classes, you know. Yeah. Go to his locker. And, wow. Wow. Medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really strange because I knew that if if any one of us, you know, locals yeah. would do it, then we'd be in trouble. Yeah. Huh. So we did that stuff. We just soak our skull in whiskey. Really? So when we were in school, we, you know, get a little buzz going too. A little buzz, yeah. Oh man. Huh. But I graduated in '61, so you know where I was. Huh. The late 50s and the early 60s. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of drinking mm. going on. Hmm. People had houses that they knew parents wouldn't be home in the evenings, especially on the weekends. Yeah. And would go there for alcohol. Uh huh. It was really weird because a lot of parents would mark on their bottles, you know, when, when they take oh, them. Oh, good idea, yeah. Put a little line on it. Hello. <laughs> we would go in and mark it. And mark it. <laughs> 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 that that. You caught on to that of, quick, huh? Like, I <clears throat> got a lot of water kids in my class. So for those of you on Facebook, uh, Pam's communicating <laughs> some of her childhood uh, things that went on. and uh, let's, uh, let's read this poem here at the end of our handout. This, this was a newspaper article as well. I don't remember where I got it, but I, I think it's appropriate. Uh, it says, We drank for happiness and became unhappy. We drank for joy and became miserable. We drank for sociability and became argumentative. We drank for sophistication and became obnoxious. We drank for friendship and made enemies. We drank for sleep and awakened without rest. We drank for strength and felt weak. We drank medicinally and acquired health problems. We drank for relaxation and got the shakes. We drank for bravery and became afraid. We drank for confidence and became doubtful. We drank to make conversation easier and slurred our speech. We drank to forget and were forever haunted. We drank for freedom and became slaves. We drank to erase problems and saw them multiply. We drank to cope with life and invited death. Death goes in your blank there. So that was, I thought that was just, you know, not, I guess for some pun intended to, uh, kind of very sobering. (laughs) Sobering. Now, uh, let, let me connect that with the the pandemic that we're all, you know, kind of still in. Uh, th- this article is a year old now, and it was written, you know, at the end of 2020, and that's really kind of when the, the COVID started. But they they were seeing some trends even then, and I feel like th- this article gave me some insights. To, and let me say this <clears throat> my family is not unlike these Rechabites my dad has told me that my grandpa never drank a beer and my dad has never drank a beer and I have never drank a beer so we've got at least three generations uh, and honestly this this probably sounds wrong to be on recording, but a friend of mine at work, he said he drinks a little wine at night to help him sleep better, and and we tried that for. A little, I hate that. I just hate the taste of it. Uh, so so I have tried wine, but 
But I, I don't want to look at this as pointing down at anybody that, that do struggle with this. This is just not a struggle of mine. And uh, but, but I know it is very real for some people. And so we all have things that we use to cope. We have things that tempt us. And so I don't want to be uh, hypocritical or judgmental in, in talking about this topic. But I do want us to, you know, make a stand, kind of for me, and and I th- I think what I would like for my kids and my grandkids is to remain uh, virgins until they're married. That that was a big thing that we tried to make as almost a commandment in our family is uh, sex outside of marriage. We we tried to uh, forbid that, and uh, I believe we were successful with our kids, and I guess we'll see with our grandkids. But uh, anyway, that was something... Uh, uh, personal conviction of mine. <clears throat> so, but let me talk about uh, alcohol. And uh, the title of this was just alcohol consumption rising sharply during pandemic, especially among women. And so I thought that was interesting. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I, you can see I've just highlighted certain parts of this that I, I wanted to read for you today. But it helped me kind of think about some of the people that we're, we're trying to help with their addiction. But this says, in the age of pandemic, uncertainty lingers in the air. Now new data shows that during the COVID-19 crisis, American adults have sharply increased their consumption of alcohol, drinking on more days uh, among women especially has soared. So whereas I think what it's trying to say is, you know, maybe you people used to be weekend drinkers, but now that you're kind of uh, isolated or quarantined at home, there's uh, more days of the week that people drink. It says the magnitude of this increase is striking. Michael Pollard, a lead author of the study and a sociologist at RAND, told ABC, so this is the ABC News, People's depression increases, anxiety increases, and alcohol use is often a way to cope with these feelings. But depression and anxiety are also the outcome of drinking. It's this feedback loop uh, where it just exasperates the problem that it's trying to address. So that's kind of like this poem we just read. It's like people are depressed and they have anxiety. But then they drink, and that causes more depression and anxiety. So uh, going on down here, it says, There is history with events like 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, earthquakes, and other catastrophes that people then drink more post-drama. This NIAAA director, George Koob, told ABC, Alcohol is a very effective painkiller, but when it wears off, that pain comes back with a vengeance. And then here's a testimony of a guy named Dinan or Deenan. It got to a point when everything just compounded that I didn't know what to do, Deenan said. When you're in recovery, you're told you shouldn't isolate. And now that's exactly what we've been told to do. We drink to hide from feelings. We hide from life. We tend to isolate, especially when addiction really gets advanced. Now people are isolated at home and it presents a real challenge. Even when you're doing well for someone in recovery who's been doing really well, our demons return with stress and can trigger relapse, Koob said. And then here's here's a lady's testimony. It says, The world took the rest of the coping mechanisms away, and so you have this one thing, and it has a wicked allure, a kind of wicked allure, this lady told ABC. I was... I was very called by that voice of romantic doom. I thought that was kind of eerie. 
heading to the liquor store for quote-unquote supplies. It was like it was a camping trip, and it sort of was. I was going on a camping trip from life. And then this lady says, it's a perfect drug for women in particular in a lot of ways. Makes you feel braver, empowered, strong. It's a pain management system. And it's a forgetting drug. And a lot of us are in a place where we just don't want to think a lot right now. And as far as women go right now, a lot of them are bearing the biggest burden of dealing with both work and added domestic stresses, homeschooling, child care, keeping the household from falling apart. A glass of wine or two is mother's little helper, and it's sociably acceptable. And then uh, it says, during the shutdown, innovative ways of bringing booze home took off with online app sales connecting consumers with liquor stores for home delivery. And this is something I hadn't thought about. It says, one such company called Drizzly told ABC that during the early lockdown, they saw a growth surge of 700 to 800%. It's leveled off since then, but they are s- still sitting at 350% growth since last year. Wow. You can deliver. Well, Wait, yeah. You can't. Okay, because like at Sam's Club, can you have them deliver like alcohol? I don't know. Walmart? I'm thinking. Deliver or pick up? I know you can pick up. I don't know about alcohol, but... Yeah, we're asking like Pam. <laughs> Come on, Pam. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they have like DoorDash and things like that. They, I don't know if it's DoorDash, but which right. ones will go to the store and get things for you and bring them to you. Oh, that's true. But I, I feel like that would be illegal because you could be taking it to a minor. You don't know. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's why there's apps. I, I mean, know. maybe they have to sign something when they get there, or maybe you have to ask for ID. I don't know who does that. Well, let's, do, let's, let's don't research. Yeah, yeah, let, let's, let's just. They <laughs> don't alcohol, they'll get it. That's yeah. Yeah. All right, let me read this last page. we got three minutes here. That's funny. <laughs> it says, uh, <laughs> 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 Emmett, Emmett's her fix. He'll, <laughs> Emmett's the mule. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When alcohol becomes a crutch to supplement unwanted pain, however, it becomes a problem. It's one way to deal with this stress, Coob said. But when you start drinking to fix something or to not feel something, the alcohol makes it worse. It gets very insidious. As the coronavirus began to spread this spring, so this this is a year ago, and alcohol sales began to spike, uh, the worldwide organization, or the World Health Organization, WHO, warned that alcohol use could potentially exasperate health issues and risk-taking behaviors. So good for them. Alcohol abuse poses unique risk in the COVID-19 crisis, potentially making people more vulnerable to disease, experts say. Chronic alcohol consumption has historically been shown to increase the risk for acute respiratory distress syndrome, Coop said. Fluid builds up in the lungs, keeping them from filling with enough air. Less oxygen reaches the bloodstream, depriving organs of what they need to function. At a moment when we're supposed to be extra careful, this seems a particularly bad time for impaired judgment when we're supposed to be paying attention to our behavior, Pollard says. There are real risks with lasting consequences. And then the last thing I thought was pretty good. People may not want to quit drinking because they don't want to change their world, this lady says. But now the world has changed and we're here whether we like it or not. So the question becomes, who do you want to be? So anyway, that's uh, more of a worldly, secular article, but I thought it was pretty good insights. Yeah. And uh, but let, let me uh, pray for us now. And uh, thank you for joining us online. We're going to cut off in just a minute, but I'll have a word of prayer, and we'll we'll go out to the main service. Uh, 
Lord in heaven, we come to you in prayer. We just are thankful for this story of the Rechabites and how they obeyed uh, their father and were, were mindful. Uh, we're just thankful for the stand that they took in the days and age that they lived. And you uh, bless them for it. And Lord, as, as we uh, make a stand in these last days and we uh, purpose in our hearts to go forward by faith, and uh, we're we have uh, things facing us that, that maybe no other generation has. And yet, Lord, uh, help us to keep our focus on you. Help us not to be distracted with the news and things going on in the world. And help us to be uh, just tenderhearted toward our brothers and sisters that are less fortunate. We think about um, Christ coming to earth in the form of, of a child. And just uh, this Christmas season, help us to... Be mindful that uh, of, of his mission to come and seek and to save that which is lost. And so help us to be sensitive to lost people in our spheres of influence that we uh, run into on a day-to-day basis. Just help us to uh, proclaim your truth and be lights in a, a wicked and perverse generation, as the Bible says. And help us to be uh, beacons of hope. And uh, so bless this class. Help those that uh, maybe not with us this morning. Help them to be able to come back soon and just uh, have your good hand upon us. Bless uh, our church service now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we'll close up there. Chapter 36, I think, will be really good. Uh, there's some, yeah, it's longer, but it, there's some things about how God preserved His Word there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that next week. So I'll sign off here.